welcome to Solutions, where listening will leave you inspired by solutions to issues you or others you know may be struggling with in the public education system today. I am Olivia Wall, and I am honored to welcome my guest today, Talisa Jones, known to many followers as Talisa Nicole and TJ That's It on social media. I first started bugging Talisa to be a guest on Scalutions when I saw her reels on a National Education Association's Insta page at NEA Today. I also have followed Talisa's amazing TikToks and her passion for food in general is awesome. Today, Talisa is going to share about her role as a food service ESP and why it is critical that we all work together to get the Universal School Meals Act passed by Congress. Welcome, Talisa. I'm so happy to have you as a guest. Hello, Olivia. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, so here's the thing. I want to start off with knowing who an inspiring educator is for you and has been in your life. And then we're going to jump right into what your role is as a food service ESP and um, sharing about all that you do to make kids' lives better. So with that said, who is an educator from your life that has inspired you over the years? You know, the funny thing I always say when it comes to remembering educators from my childhood, I always remember elementary yeah. um, more than middle school, more than high school. And, and that's so crazy to me that, you know, because you're younger yeah. and it was longer ago. But I remember those teachers and those staff more than anything. Um, so with that being said, for me, it would be the custodian um, in my elementary school. His name was Mr. James. <laughs> and also um, a lunch lady in middle school was actually my best friend's mother. Ah. And she was so nurturing and always made sure that I ate. And if she caught me not eating, she would ask me why and then give me something anyway. Um, and that just felt good to have people there that cared about you that weren't teachers, mm -hmm. that were just staff in the school that also uh, cared about the students just as equally. Yeah. Well, and so that speaks so beautifully then as a segue to your role as a food service ESP. And for those non-educators that are listening, caregivers perhaps, ESP stands for Educational Support Professional. They are yes. the heartbeat of school buildings and Absolutely. they're not recognized enough, right? We, we don't recognize teachers enough, but food service ESPs or ESPs in general, they are the behind the scenes in classrooms, in the buildings, and they are making life happen and better for kids. So, um, I absolutely right? agree. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I always seek guests out based on issues that I'm seeing in public education and, um, I have been really, really concerned after COVID that universal school meals went by the wayside and children had to start paying for their food again. Um, and that it immediately reduces access to food, oh, yes. right? We know children can't learn if they're hungry. It's just not possible. So that worries me. And then I reached out to you and shared a, a book that has inspired me. This is the book that we're going to read together and, and unpack hopefully, but the labor of lunch, um, why we need real food and real jobs in American public schools. It's by Dr. Jennifer Gaddis, shout out to Dr. Gaddis. Um, and I asked you if it was okay if we start by reading an excerpt from the back cover of this book, because it names the issue and then why you are as amazing as you are. So here we go. There's a problem with school lunch in America. 
Big food companies have largely replaced the nation's school cooks by supplying cafeterias with cheap, pre-cooked hamburger patties and chicken nuggets chock full of industrial fillers. Yet, it's no secret that meals cooked from scratch with nutritious, locally sourced ingredients are better for children, workers, and the environment. So why not empower lunch ladies to do more than just unbox and reheat factory-made food? And why not organize together to make healthy, ethically sourced, free school lunches a reality for all children? Boom. Absolutely. Love that. Mic drop. Mic <laughs> drop. Issue and solution yeah. all in one, right? So take us through a day. Like what is your role as a food service ESP? Can you share that with listeners? What? How would you define that? Sure. Absolutely. Well, currently I'm a um, cafeteria manager at an elementary school and my day starts very early. I can imagine. <laughs> I start between 6.30, 45. Um, I'm there for a good hour and a half by myself before my staff come in. And I open the kitchen to get all the paperwork ready, start the dishwasher, start the ovens, prep breakfast. Um, from the moment you walk in, it is nonstop. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and then as, as a manager, there's an extra task of, you know, reading emails and making sure we're following the rules from our su supervisors. And so... It's a lot because not only do I do the manager, paperwork, email stuff, but I'm also jumping in with my team and helping them prep the food and um, set up for breakfast, set up for lunch. Um, so between getting there, setting up, and then when my staff come in, we immediately serve breakfast. After breakfast, we're rushing right into prepping lunch. Yeah. So it was like boom, boom, boom. Um, we prep lunch. We have our 30-minute lunch break. Recoup a little bit. <laughs> And then we get ready to start serving lunch. And our lunch service is continuous for two hours, wow. nonstop, not even a little smidgen of a break in between those two hours. How many yeah. school lunches and actually like breakfast and lunches do you serve in a given day? In a given day, um, I average between 170 breakfast and lunches between... 380, 420, depending on how popular the menu is that day. So how do you pick the menu? I don't pick the menu. Ah. So uh, we get our menu sent to us. Um, kindergarten has their own, not kindergarten, uh, K through five has their own menu. Middle school has their own menu. High school has their own menu. Got it. Um, and we just have to go based on that. Like we can make substitutions, but we have to get approvals. I'm pretty sure there's a big reason for that. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't make the menu. So I wish I could, but then I also wish I couldn't because that'd be a lot of It's a lot. A lot of work. You're already yeah. the prep and everything you have to do to execute yeah. is enough right now. And right. you are an amazing chef. Like you are a foodie. And so you also, yes, right, you also have like a whole separate identity, I would say, that's also paired with the food world. And you bring that passion mm -hmm. to children. What what stories or what can you share of like things that surprise you about your role or stories about kids that have just gotten you in the heart? Oh, there's so many, but uh, I guess I would pick something that just happened on, what was it? Wednesday or Thursday? I think Wednesday. Okay. So Tuesday we had snow again. So school was canceled. School was closed. The next day we were like, oh, school might be closed again. The roads are still pretty bad, but it wasn't closed. It was a two hour delay. Two hour delay is great for the kids because they get to sleep in late, but for especially, and even teachers, they get to come late too. But for ESPs, custodians, food service workers, bus drivers, we still got to come in at regular time ah. despite weather conditions. Um, so with a two hour delay, 
kids, instead of school starting at 9, 10, it starts at 11, 10, which means as soon as they come in at 11, 10, we're serving breakfast. They still get breakfast, even though it was a two hour delay. And yeah. And so literally right after breakfast, we're serving lunch because the day is shorter. And, um, a teacher was like, Oh my gosh, your breakfast line is so long. I didn't expect it to be this long since it was the late opening. Didn't these kids eat at school? It's almost lunchtime. They didn't eat. And I'm like, this is how a normal person who doesn't work in this field would think this is how I would, I would think if I didn't know, or, you know, you just, um, yeah, you just didn't understand the need for food for students. And I, I told her, I was like, well, believe it or not, most of the ki- most of these kids in line right now are free and reduced. They get free meals. So that speaks volumes because it's like um, the kids who pay for breakfast and lunch, they still came in line, but not as many. But those free and reduced students, they definitely came to get their breakfast because that was probably one of their meals for today that they were really looking forward to. And that just makes you think like, oh, I cannot stay at the late openings because it makes us have to work so much harder. Um, but at the same time, I'm happy to provide those meals for those students who would never had possibly gotten a meal if school was not open that day. So that's why I always get so frustrated. When I was a teacher in New York City, it is one of the nation's biggest school districts, if not the biggest, right? And people would get so mad if they had to schlep in on a snow day and commute. I get it. It's scary. It's dangerous. It's not fun. But oftentimes, that is the only way children have access to food. And so, right, we we have to, it's a double-edged sword here. Um, Right. right over covid they a lot of districts had pickup locations so families could still go or caregivers and that was lovely um but as i've seen your reels um and really followed you as a, a, a practitioner of your craft something that continues to greatly concern me is access to food and i would love for you to share with listeners what the universal school meals act is and how it could drastically benefit the lives of children in general yes so the universal meals act um were pretty much to easily explain it, would provide free uh, meals for all students across America, regardless of their family's income. And I think that's very important because usually there's a stigma and there's a shame for kids who get free lunch. Now, my lunch babies don't really understand that because they're so young. They don't understand money. But when you hit middle school and high school, um, people will notice that you get free lunch. And sometimes they don't want to go up online because they don't want people to know you get free lunch. Oh, you get free lunch? Is your family poor? You know, kids can be mean sometimes. And with the Universal uh, School Meals Act, everybody's getting free lunch. So there is no stigma. Mm -hmm. You get free lunch. You get free lunch. You get free lunch. (laughs) It's so true. So I think that that's awesome. And also, like, um, I've had parents coming to me saying how um, they just weren't prepared to pay for meals again this year because this is our second year where... Um, paying for lunch came back. Like you said, with COVID, um, the government passed where we were federally funded all across and we were getting meals free for everybody regardless of income. But then when we come back, it was a surprise to parents like, oh, we have to apply for free reduce again. Oh, now I have to qualify. There are a lot of parents who don't qualify anymore and they're stressed. And I get it because the income guidelines are so minute. You can be making over by just a dollar. And you're disqualified. 
And I think that is horrible to say like, oh, just because this person makes less, oh, let them pay. Um, they don't have to pay, but this person who makes a little more has to pay. There's still a need and there's still a struggle, even if the parent is making more than another another family. You understand? I, yeah, like, yeah. And I just think free for everybody is the way to go. Th- these kids are in school. They're expected to be there. Um, attendance is crazy now. It's, it's very low. And districts across not just my school districts are like sending notes home to parents like send your kid to school attendance matters you want them there feed them why should the parents have to incur another bill for a place that their kid is expected to be oh well said well said it's so true um and i would also really I've investigated schools that have thought through even creating food pantries um, on their campus. And that's a a whole other level of support that caregivers can receive. Um, But really, you know, what is our best next step in order to get this act passed? Because I don't know how it could be anything but wonderful when it comes to benefiting children. This is good for kids. It's good for kids caregivers. It's good for public education and the school system in general. What do we do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, urge your local government to provide free meals for all students, regardless of the family's income. Um, we've seen it done during COVID. And my big question is, if we can do it then, why can't we do it now? You cannot tell me that we can't, that we can't fund it. That This is uh, nutrition for kids. This is meals for them. This is something very important. And we see our tax dollars go through so many things that we don't even personally agree with. But what I think we can all agree with is kids need to eat. Yeah. And, and if we worry so much, I continue to hear, you know, kids fell behind during COVID. The only way children will be ready to learn and access thinking and their brains activated is if their bellies are full. If, right, oh, yeah. if a child is, and this should not be something in this country that we are worrying about, right? How could we live in right. the United States and have this not be? I don't, I don't understand. It's so frustrating. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just to circle back to your, your position in your job. Um, so mm-hmm. how many people are on the staff in your building to make this magic happen? Uh, there's five of us, including me. Wow. Yeah, it's only five of us. And, you know, sometimes it could be one person that calls out. But if there's like a nasty bug going around, it could be two people that call out. And sometimes we don't always get a sub because we're so, so uh, short staffed and it has gotten better. But there still is a need for more uh, food service providers. So sometimes they don't have a sub to send us. And like, sorry, TJ, you'll be too short today. Yeah. And I'm like, oh got to work faster, got to work harder. Um, these kids still want the strawberry cheese, uh, shortcake. <laughs> we know it takes a while to make, but we can't take it off the menu because we're short staff. They, they will go crazy. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so we just, make it work. and I guess another question is, you know, you are a foodie and you're able to put your spin on the, the whole idea of school lunches, not being always delicious. What do you do uh-huh. to ensure that the food that is going out is as delicious as possible for your kids? I am a, I preach presentation matters. The kids will eat with their eyes first. If you make it look good, they'll like it. So something, for instance, uh, our chicken enchiladas, after you cook them, you put the cheese and you steam it so it's nice and melty. So when I take my little videos, it's fresh out the oven. It's looking fantastic. But after it sits for about 20 minutes, it's all dried up. So I I learned a little trick. I would take the dry enchiladas off, (laughs) 
make a new one, make it fresh. So when the new kids come and see, and then I also offer samples. I know it looks different. Maybe you're not used to this. Maybe you never had a chicken enchilada before. Would you like to taste another piece? Would you, or would you like to taste a little piece? And a lot of times they will take it and taste it, especially when we're doing like promotional items. Like we had um, enchiladas, not enchiladas, uh, tamales recently. We had pupusas. And um, you could tell a lot of kids eat that at home. And they were so happy to see it in the lunch line. So that's awesome. Another thing is I say, like, we follow the recipes to a T. We have to, even if you think like, oh, there's no flavor in this. It is what it is. But um, even though two schools have the same recipe for the gravy, it can taste a little bit different. You got to put some love in it. Are, are you just quickly mixing it? Or are you taking your time and you making sure all those flavors get together? There's a big difference. Um, teachers come through my line. Parents come through my line and say, oh, your spread looks amazing. Mm -hmm. I know. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, well and what, the other thing you're speaking to is there is love. There is love and time invested in making these meals beautiful. And I hadn't ever thought about representation and representation matters so much. And so by seeing food that you eat at home represented to others and being able, like what a beautiful idea to give samples Kids, kids yes. are, they're wary. They're like, I don't know. That doesn't, it's nothing I've ever tasted before. Uh -huh. Right. So offer right. a taste. And I will tell you both of my boys, especially my younger son, they have had a world of food opened up to them through school lunch and through the, I, I'm going to say chefs, food service ESP slash chef in their schools <laughs> that have encouraged them to try something they never would have tried at home. Right. And it's right. beautiful. So because here's the thing, the kid's not going to take something that they're not so sure of. And then they're like, oh, now I don't have a lunch because I didn't like it. But if I could taste it and decide if I like it or not, you're not missing out on anything. Yeah, so true. So, yeah. So true. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, you know, I know you've spoken to children during the school year not having access to food. A reel that I saw you post about was a little girl um, that approached you toward the end of the school year. Would you share that story with listeners? Because that pulled at my yeah. heartstrings. It's so important. Uh -huh. I will never forget that. That was my first year as a lunch lady. Um, I was working at my first school that I was permanent at, and it was the last day. And this little girl says, I'm going to miss your food so much. or I'm so sad school is ending. And I asked her, I was like, you're not excited for summer vacation? I want to stress that this was, um, I work about 30 minutes away from where I live, but this was in a neighborhood where you could tell the tax dollars were going into the school. That's another issue. Yeah. <laughs> You, you, you could tell it's the same county, but schools look very different depending on the tax yes. bracket. So you wouldn't think that there was food insecurity in this school at all. And I was like, oh, you're not excited for summer? You're not going to, you know, fun, fun, fun. And she's like, I'm not going to be able to have these delicious meals. And at first I just thought like, oh, well, maybe she's just being nice and saying your food was good. But then I'm thinking, oh, what, what if these are her really two hot meals that she's getting breakfast and lunch during the day and she's going to miss that because she's not going to be guaranteed that in the summer yeah. and that kind of broke my heart well and I, I the reason I asked you to share that story is because I think folks that are non-educators um, that do tune into this podcast I want them to understand even though vacation and summer break or holidays off it seems like the most dreamy wonderful thing there are children that dread 
those vacations. And it caused me to stop putting countdowns on boards. I don't count down to spring break. I don't count down to summer break anymore because that countdown is anxiety driving for a lot of kids that see it as a countdown to when they won't have access to food. Right. Yes. So it just, I think the world of being in education is so fascinating because if you put yourself in the shoes of others, that you you stop making assumptions about what people have and don't have, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I learned that day that uh, nobody, that, that hungry doesn't have a look. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and I learned that and that was a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. something you've also illuminated for me today is the idea that hunger is hidden. It, it's, it's hidden by many, there's shame associated with it. And so let's wrap on the note. We all need to, I will put a link in the show notes. We all need to go to our local, we can just search universal school meals act. And then there are links right there. I will put it in the notes to, and I even have a link on my bio that you can still register for. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. So we will make sure because it doesn't take a lot of time. But we at all, and we really need to get people like this is the call to action. We need to get this passed um, to hunger doesn't have a look, right? I love that. And um, you are working so hard every day for children to bring joy and to uh, bring food to their tummies. And we need to support you in that venture. So thank you. And I want to say if a lunch lady is pushing for this, it's serious because let me tell you, there will be some lunch ladies probably staring at me like, girl, do you know this means 20 times to work for you? Yes, I know. My numbers will easily increase from 400 lunches to 700 lunches a day. Um, but it's for a good cause. It sure is. It sure is. Yeah. I'm going to be, it's not like I have to work later. I'm going to be there for the same amount of hours and I don't mind a little hard work to feed my babies. So. Well, uh, you are an amazing human and I am, I am <laughs> so cool. excited that we were able to connect <laughs> for this conversation. And I think you're going to inspire a lot of people um, to have a better understanding of the role of a food service ESP, but just the role of hunger and food um, in in our public school system. So you inspire me at every turn and what you do on a daily uh, to help kids and their caregivers. It's just like, you're amazing. So thank you for taking the time on the weekend to have this conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. Of course, Olivia. (laughs) Care. You too. Scolutions is a podcast created, produced, and edited by me, Olivia Wall. Special thanks to my guest, Talisa Jones. Also, a big thank you to my older son, Benjamin, who created the music that's playing in the background. I would love for you to share the podcast far and wide, leave a review, subscribe on YouTube, and follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook at Scolutions Podcast. If you'd like to become a Scolutions sponsor or share episode ideas, leave me a SpeakPipe voice memo at my website, toliviawall.com backslash podcast, or connect via email at scolutionspodcast at gmail.com. Please keep listening. Let's continue finding inspiration together.